Hey everyone, this is Kelvin. This is episode 85 of Res Metal Podcast. In this episode, I talk to Simon, guitarist of Nightmare. If you're not familiar with Nightmare, Nightmare formed in 2014. They play a very dissonant style of extreme metal. Um, if you're a fan of like Gorguts, Meshuga, or Ulcerate, you'll definitely dig Nightmare style. Uh, Nightmare will be releasing their second album, Deformity Adrift, on May 5th through Total Dissonant Worship Records. Uh, Simon is currently based out of Portland, Oregon, and he runs the, the label Total Dissonance Worship. So, you know, we get a chance to talk about, you know, how he started the record label and kind of like his musical taste and, you know, bands that he looks for when releasing music through Total Dissonance Worship. Uh, we also talk about the new album, Deformity Adrift, and kind of how he developed his unique guitar sound. And um, we also talk about uh, record collecting uh, at the end and kind of like what what are you know favorite records that we collect. Um, but yeah, if you're a record collector, yeah, definitely check out Simon's Instagram page. He has a lot of cool like, you know, uh, records that he posts, and that's kind of how I pick up new bands just by following record collectors. So um, yeah, he definitely has a cool um, page on Instagram. But um, yeah, I'll play a quick clip of uh, Nightmare and then go into my talk with Simon. So yeah, check it out. Yeah. To uh, Simon of Nightmare, uh, how are you doing, Simon? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for talking to me. And um, again, um, fan of Nightmare. Uh, the new Nightmare album, Deformity Adrift, will be coming out on May 5th, and that'll be released through Total Dissonance Worship Records. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, yeah, I understand you run Total Dissonance uh, Worship Records. Yeah, I started the label uh, in 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're going on like three years now? Exactly, yeah. Three very uh, turbulent years. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, like, uh, kind of where did you, or how did you get the idea of starting uh, Total Distance and Worship? Well, um, I think... A couple of factors kind of came together um first of all we put out our first album on season of mist and we were kind of feeling like we wanted to try doing things diy um for several reasons i think one main reason for me was that in you know one and a half decades of putting out music through um renowned metal labels i never got a royalty check uh for any sales right i literally made zero um obviously those labels helped uh in other ways you know getting you on you know by extension getting you on tours and whatnot but generally speaking it was just very frustrating for especially for a band like nightmare that isn't necessarily always heavily looking to tour we do want to tour we like touring but it's not we're not like 
a band that's trying to play 150 shows a year or whatever. So at the end of the day, you're looking at um, when you're signed to a label like that, you're not able to monetize anything other than touring. And so that became kind of frustrating after a while. And so at first, Total Distance Worship was mainly supposed to be a vehicle to release just Nightmare and um, also re-release some stuff from my old band. But uh, then the pandemic hit and I was, you know, sitting there with all of this, I mean, time on my hands to a certain degree, right? And I was just like, well, let me just talk to a couple of bands that I liked, you know, and or, or sometimes I would just stumble over like an old record I really liked. And I realized, hey, this isn't even on streaming services or whatever. You can't get this anywhere in, in digital shape. Uh, and so I would just hit up those bands, you know, and be like, hey, um, you know, let me help put this stuff at least on streaming services. I think more people should, you know, be able to listen to this. Um, and yeah, it started with a couple of older albums, really, that I thought were just missing. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. And then in late 2020, I put out um, my first tape release and uh, it just kept going from there. And here we are with, you know, tape and vinyl and digital releases and everything. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, just kind of going and listening to some of the bands on Total Distance Worship, there is kind of a distinct, um, uh, unique sound. Uh, how do you... Or I guess, like, how do you go about, like, you know, getting these bands on your record label? Or is there, like, a certain style you look for? Or is it just some based on your personal taste? I mean, I would say it's mostly based on my personal taste, but it is curated towards a very specific niche of my personal taste, right? So as the name suggests, I'm mainly looking to work with dissonant extreme metal bands or whatever. Um, and... Uh, you know of course that's not all i listen to but uh but it's it's i think the thing that i'm most passionate about and also like as a musician and as a fan and also it obviously fits very well with what nightmare do so i kind of figured um it would be a cool way to create this very curated um indie boutique label around that specific niche of extreme metal um and so Sometimes I venture outside of it a little bit, you know, but um, most of the time it's it's dissonant extreme metal, black metal, death metal, grindcore, you know, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned uh, tapes and records. Um, I have a couple here. I got the, the Trebalus oh. tape and then the... Uh, oh, yes. Uh, Imperial yeah, Triumphant. Imperial Triumphant. And then the Ad Nauseum. Very cool. Um. And then as far as the records, I um, definitely, I'm going to, I picked up the new Nightmare as a pre-order. Um, Excellent. And the only one I have is this, this one, Defacement. Oh, yeah. Defacement, that's an excellent album. Yeah. Um, I noticed you don't um, have uh, CDs. Like, does, do, you, do you have any interest or um, well, so plans for CDs? We have had just a handful of CD releases. Um we did CDs for Vitriol's Antichrist EP that was mainly vinyl, but we did CDs. The band wanted CDs, um, but most of those CDs went straight to the band to sell on tour. And I think I only uh, kept maybe 50 in stock for the shop. And um, what else? Uh, Morse Verum was another band I put out on CD. The thing, the experience I've had with uh, CD is 
I actually literally asked my, uh, you know, customers, hey, do you still buy CDs, you know, or who still buys CDs and kind of made a poll. And the uh, overwhelming majority said, yes, we do. And then I put out a handful of CD releases and they really just didn't move. Uh, and to the point where the digital sold way more than the CD. Um, if there were other formats available than CD, those would sell way better. So it's just kind of like, um, it's just for some reason it's for me for total distance worship it's it's the most difficult format to actually sell um for the nightmare album we also uh, for a new one we also did cd and those are going pretty well but generally speaking i think the more underground the bands are i feel like the more niche the formats have to be for people to get excited about it so you know tape or vinyl um rather than cd um maybe cd is a medium that sells best on tour i guess right so yeah, yeah. it's just uh, my experience with uh, cd releases has just been pretty underwhelming all in all so i i don't do them very often okay yeah i um well, i mean i grew up like in the late you know well when i started like collecting albums it was more like in the early 2000s so that right. was like yeah, cds were everywhere so i still still collect cds and um but that that's cool though. I mean, I, I still like dig um um like I, I guess mainly if not CD, I, I like to try to get the record. But yes. it usually it has to be for me like uh uh an album that I know I'm gonna you know listen to on like a speaker system that's gonna carry yeah. um it's gonna you know sound good like when I'm like listening to, to an on a speaker system. Um if it's like too like I don't know, I'm trying to think trying to think of an example like if it's like super technical like death metal or grindcore i tend to just get the cd because i know i'm just going to listen to it like you know in in the car or on like a i don't know it, yeah it just depends on like how i feel like the sound will carry like either will it be good like on a like headphone or or like on a speaker system um yeah i could definitely relate to that i think some sometimes it also really depends on how an album is produced i also you know technical death metal being a great example if the music is produced very and i'm not using it as a negative term but like in a more sterile and very you know like almost futuristic way i don't know if vinyl is always um the format that really benefits that kind of style um and, and i kind of like to think of it as if the production is a bit more raw or maybe a bit more organic and warmer i think that carries over well with with vinyl but sometimes i'm just really surprised i mean i put out um an album by um the new zealand band blindfolded and led to the woods and you know their production is very modern the music is quite technical for some reason it sounded phenomenal on vinyl it was just one of those things where it just came out it's literally one of the best like sounding records in even in my personal collection some something just hit right you know so you can never say for sure but for the most part I, I i would agree that very technical and futuristic sounding productions aren't necessarily the first thing i would think about with with vinyl in mind yeah um you recently put out a um was the choir of, uh, yes. last month and then you got nightmare coming up next month are there uh, other um, releases that you have planned for the remainder of the year? Yeah, so I have a couple more tape releases in the pipeline. Um, and then 
the rest of the year, I'm going to have to focus a little bit more on a couple of reissues and represses of, uh, I mean, what I would say are genre essentials. You know, I last year I did a repress of a convulsing album, for example, and that sold really well and people still want it. Um, so that's going to be another one. We're also repressing convulsing's first album. I'm going to be doing more represses for uh, Ion Dissonance. And then there will also be a Beneath the Massacre vinyl pressing of, um, which is the first time vinyl pressing of their first EP. Um, so it's just that the landscape has changed a lot in the last um, three years. In 2020 and 2021, um, physical sales were phenomenal and you know i think a couple of factors played into that the, the pandemic you know people who didn't lose their income uh, weren't able to spend as much money outside on you know going out to eat going to events all of that kind of fell through and and there was this like new found appreciation for physical um releases and people bought um just bought stuff like crazy and then as of 2020 you know costs have gone up again um we are not in any sort of lockdown so we're starting and events are happening so people are spending their money elsewhere again and it's created this dynamic where it almost feels a little bit like the bubble of the last two years burst a little bit so um you know you you always kind of have to be on your toes a little bit and see what works at any given moment and right now i feel like um reissues are doing still doing pretty well but sometimes like you know last year i, uh, I released a lot of really underground stuff like bands that either didn't exist before or people just didn't know about and and it's always a big gamble and it's always small run vinyl so it's very expensive to do and you know sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't um but in all, order to also keep the label afloat um you know sometimes you have to pivot a little bit and and uh that's what i'm doing for the rest of the year for the most part um so there will be a lot of reissues but it's also stuff that i'm still very excited about as a fan because those things um informed my music taste you know over over the last two decades so so i'm not like less excited about it it's just a little bit of a different approach this year and i hope that things balance out a little bit again and you know people are uh more excited about uh physical on a broader oh, yeah. scale in the next, you know, couple months. Okay. Um, oh, I forgot to ask, uh, what are your thoughts on like streaming platforms? Like, do you, do you see any like, um, um, you know, drawbacks or benefits from the streaming at platforms? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, generally speaking, I think one issue they have created is that you know especially newer generations are not used to having to spend money on or maybe are not used to the idea of owning um the music that they're a fan of so i think the way that you know fans will consume music going forward will tilt more and more towards um streaming services um so we'll have to see how that works for you know especially underground arts that kind of rely on financing themselves by being able to to sell physical releases um 
I guess it's a good vehicle for people to, you know, sometimes just st stumble over your music because it's recommended or it's in like, you know, it's it's like artist of so-and-so also listen to so-and-so. So I think there's like, like a discovery element to it for sure. But I think that will also diminish over time because um, there's just so much music being released that it's going to be impossible at some point for a lot of bands to even cut through the noise at all anymore. So yeah, I think it's a mixed bag all in all. We could talk about your uh, new album for Nightmare, um, uh -huh. uh, Deformity Adrift, that's going to come out May 5th. Um, yes. I got a chance to check it out. I got the promo sent and uh, was listening to it last night and this morning. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just if, if if people out there like dissonant, like super like low tune, like, you know, atmospheric death metal, like, yeah, definitely pick it up. If people out there listening want to check it out, you know, definitely stream it. But I would recommend like, you know, just getting the uh, physical copy. Um, so for the new album, um, I was just curious, you know, I did, this is the second album by nightmare. And then you also put out, um, uh, an EP, uh, uh, two years ago, I believe. Yes. Um, and so, uh, with your guitar sound, like was how, um, like how did you kind of create that? Or was there like a specific like band or artist that kind of really like influenced you to create your guitar sound? So generally speaking i so way back in the day i was i was like a really big meshuggah fan um with like chaos fear for example and then i remember when they put out nothing and that was the first time they kind of used that super low tuning um at first i really didn't like it it was like a weird sound to me and it took me a while to warm up um until well, the IEP was really impressive and then Catch 33, I thought was really great. So I would say, generally speaking, that many years ago, that made me try, a, you know, a tuning kind of like there. So we're basically playing the same guitar tuning as Meshuga, just on baritone seven strings because eight string guitars are pretty cumbersome, you know, not that much fun to play. So that was kind of... I think one of the initial bands that made me want to try it, but I all, always kind of gravitated towards lower tunings, you know, Morbid Angel being an example, Gorguts being an example. Those are all bands that tuned low. Uh, Ion Dissonance, I already mentioned them, uh, where I think for a while, um, one of the only bands that played really dissonant and like chaotic, grindy music while also using a really low tuning. And I remember uh, one of... The first tours of my old band, we played a couple of shows with Ion Dissonance and it was just, uh, I was just so intrigued by what they were doing. So I think that's kind of where, where that came from. And um, honestly, like I usually, um, so we recorded most of the album ourselves. And for this album, we did use uh, a Kemper, which is a profiling amp that allows you to hook it up to a tube amp and then basically recreate a digital version of that um and so every tone that we used came from a uh from a tube amp that we profiled ourselves the interesting thing about the camper is you know my experience with super low tunings is if you try to pull that off just with a tube amp you kind of run into some roadblocks uh it's kind of hard for a tube amp to 
to stay really tight in the low end when once you tune that low and the interesting thing that the camper allows you is to basically take that tube and tone but then manipulate it within the camper in a lot of ways where you can apply a lot of extra eqing and whatnot and kind of shape the tone towards something that works better with that low tuning and that's basically uh, uh what we what we have done and um what we have used for for this album and the previous album as well but yeah it's just like an uh, i don't know if we're going to use the camper again next time right now i'm experimenting with a lot of pedals and you know different stuff so um there's always like a tone chasing element with both our other guitarist keith and and i um and we enjoy tinkering a lot so i think that'll be more reflected in on our future outputs but also when we wrote this album we were i i still lived in florida keith lived here in portland oregon which uh, is where i moved to in the meantime um so it was kind of like a patchwork production so to speak it was written in many different places it was recorded in many different places the drums were recorded in berlin germany so it, it was like all over the place so we also kind of had to use something um like like the camper you know like a more digital kind of setup so we were able to basically work across different studios and and be able to fuse everything in a homogenous way so to speak yeah no like i said i dig it i mean uh, everyone should check it out um this is the second um album from nightmare um what were what would you say were some like you know changes that you guys made or tweaked or any new like elements you guys incorporated for this new album so i think one there's one major difference between those two albums um and that one is that the first album took three and a half years to write and this album took three and a half weeks to write so what happened was the first album was you know it came out of my uh, of our drummer and my old band and we were kind of trying to reinvent ourselves without completely changing styles our old band already was low tuned and very dissonant um so it took a long time to find our sound and i think what happened with the first album is that it's a very homogenous album you know and you hear some hints here and there of different influences but it's all it's just like you know we mulled over every part for years basically until we arrived at this very homogenous result and this time around it was a more spontaneous process and what that uh resulted in is that some of those influences that were just subtle notes maybe on our on our first album we just dove into um way more this time you know so the 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 first music video we put out for the song Taufbefehl that features uh the Valborg um vocalists you know that is a pretty consequential industrial song basically and it's and we went when we wrote that song that was the intent behind it we're just like okay this is an influence of ours and rather than just weaving it into a part on a song let's make an entire song that pays tribute to that you know and so there are elements across this album or moments uh, across this album where we were just more obvious with our influences rather than trying to uh, interweave everything in in this you know big soundscape which we still do in, in other songs but yeah there's I would say there's more of that and that makes the album a bit more diverse um, to listen to than the first album 
Um, yeah, like I said, it's just an amazing album. Um, definitely everyone should check it out. Thank you. Um, yeah. And then, um, I just want to kind of talk about like, you know, just, uh, record collecting. Um, right. I, I mean, I, I'd like to collect records and I know at the end of the year, I like to post records with the vinyl challenge. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's super fun. I always look forward to it. Awesome. Um, yeah, I just, I was just curious, like, um, what, what's like your most, um, sought after or if you if you already have it like what's your most like um uh treasured record in your collection um it's kind of hard to say uh i would say one of the things that i'm really really happy that i got a hold of um for a reasonable price too because i missed the initial release is uh inferno coils uh within a world forgotten um there is a wooden box set that they did and um and i love that album It's one of my favorite albums um you know favorite extreme metal albums and when that box set came out they shipped it in a mailer full of um leaves which is really cool you know dried leaves and and it's just like i feel like a lot of thought went into creating an experience with that box set and sadly i missed it i found out about it literally a week after it went on sale and sold out very fast so um two years down the line i found it on discogs for a not outrageous price and the cool thing was that the seller um even still had the box with the leaves that it shipped in originally so he put it back into that box and then shipped it to me and i got kind of got the entire experience out of it which was really awesome so that is definitely a release that I, I'm very, very happy to have. Um, I think one thing that has happened in the last couple of years is that for a while, there were those like holy grails that were really hard to come by. And now most labels have, you know, realized the potential, especially with legacy releases that, hey, we can repress this and make a lot of money. And so I think nowadays it's easier to find um albums that used to be holy grails um you know to find them on vinyl again because they are being repressed and most of the time uh on you know more spectacular looking vinyl than ever so uh, yeah there are definitely a couple of things that were really hard to track down and that i waited for for years only for them to be reissued at some point but i'm not mad at it it doesn't matter you know if, if it's like a if it's a release I care about, I'm stoked that it gets repressed and I hope the band is able to make some money off of it. Um, finally, you know, after sometimes after 20 years, uh, and that was my approach when I repressed, uh, I, uh, not repressed when I pressed Ion Dissonance's, uh, debut album for the first time, you know, we pressed a thousand copies and they, uh, practically sold out and I was able to, you know, after 20 years after its original release to send the band a nice check you know and i was just happy for the band to make money off of something that was uh that happened 20 years ago and that i'm just passionate about as a fan so yeah awesome um yeah i mean for me i like the band exhumed and then the the mm -hmm. album anatomy is destiny that thing's like over 200 bucks on discogs i'm still trying to or i'm still hoping they repress it for, and i can get it really cheap that was but, a sick um, album. I remember yeah. i remember hearing it for the first time and i was like super hooked on it a uh, fun fact uh Leon Del Murete, who uh, played for Exhumed for a while, literally lives a mile away from me. And we, uh, you know, we uh, hang out sometimes. We just went out this weekend. And uh, so, yeah, uh, 
it's uh, very, very familiar with it. Thanks again, right. Simon. Really appreciate it. And um, hope yeah, everyone you know, checks out the new album coming out May 5th. All right. Yeah. Appreciate Thanks. your time, man. Have a good one.